You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast. My name's Andrew Mackay-Smith, and this is a conversation that features one of Brisbane's preeminent musicians, Mr. Ben Eli. Ben is a member of a band called Regurgitator. They've been going, as you'll hear through the conversation, for almost a quarter of a century. The purpose of the conversation is to promote their upcoming brand new album, the new release. It is called Head Rocks. Let's have a listen to what Ben has to say. Here we go. Yeah, I've just um, I've been doing a bit of rehearsal for the tour, and also been painting an art show for a gallery in Hobart for the end of the year. So Sweet, yeah, yeah, working on working yeah. on a few things. <laughs> cool, yeah. Well, uh, this. Busy. Yeah, I can imagine, mate. Look, you and I had a moment together. I'll share this with you, and I'll cast your mind back to 2012. So yeah. you and I were getting off a plane at Los Angeles from Brisbane. And we, oh. we both got asked to take off our shoes and socks and I think that was about uh, it. Yes. Do you remember this? Yeah. And afterwards, mate, we had a good chat and you bought me a coffee and I always remember that. So I, I owe you a coffee or a beer if we ever have an opportunity to catch oh. up again. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah, it was, it was, you were on your way to New York as well, I think, as, as I was as well because I got some mates over there. All, I was, they're Australian, but uh, they, were, uh, they were at New York at the time and I was going over there to sort of catch up and I was also buying some guitars from... Mandolin uh, Brothers and right. Guitar Centre. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah, 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 that's right. Yeah. Well, how's it going up the coast? You up the sunny coast, eh? Well, I commute between northern Gold Coast, which is where I'm at right now, and the sunny coast. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, so right. um, I've, I was working for Telstra, I think, when I spoke to yourself back then, and uh, yeah. I left about 12 months or so to pursue music, holus bolus, just trying to make a go of it. So where I've ended up now is... I'm at Bond Uni studying a creative arts degree at the ripe old age of forty. Ah. <laughs> oh, okay, cool. That's cool. I know. I know that. You know. I know that course. Yeah, I've done that. Oh, cool. Down there once, once before. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah, so it's. Yeah. I've been doing lots of interviews and stuff. I've always tried with the music, but it's. Uh, it's I wouldn't say I, I haven't. I've been a covers musician. I don't know whether you remember the conversation we had five or so years ago, six years ago, if you can believe it was now. But. Uh, yeah, playing a lot of covers, just see if any session work came up, but nothing ever, nothing that ever paid the bill. Put it that way. The bills put it that way. Yeah, right. It's a slog, eh? Yeah, mate, mate, it is. But you're you're okay. a su- you're a success story. It must be said. I, I remember further back to 1996 when I first heard the tracks off to Plang, and yeah. just being blown away. At at the time, especially, you didn't have a lot of songs that were, were on radio or a band who was successful who was mixing so much music together. But you guys, no. you guys came along and you really changed the game, I think, and you opened up a lot of doors for a lot of musicians and a lot of bands to. I wouldn't even call it experimentation, but it's the ability to mix things together and make it work. Make it work. Yeah, and, I don't know. Well, it kind of started as a side project and it started out as a bit of fun and. I don't know, just people seemed to get into it, get into it, and it was just kind of like a muck around sort of, yeah, like a bit of an experiment, really, that just sort of seemed to go fairly well. We just kind of went with, yeah, it's a funny, funny thing how it sort of come to what it is now. Well, I think I was reading an interview with you, uh, I can't remember what publication it was, my apologies, but you are talking about there's been a generational shift, and you've got... The, the children of fans from back in the day and people that have kept up with you that are coming along to the shows now. So, mate, that's I mean, what that's what happens to yeah, Kiss. Yeah. You know, Kiss and Metallica uh, are having that happen to them, but now the Gurge is on, on that list. 
Yeah, yeah, it's kind of like that. I mean, it's funny because we went through a phase of you know playing the young people, and then, then we got older and we were playing the older people, and then and now we're sort of playing to a lot of young people. And I, I asked a few of them, I was like, you know, what are you doing here? <laughs> kind of, yeah, like, oh, you know, we used to listen to you with our parents when we were kids, and now we're old enough to see you play. So here we are, just turned eighteen, so I come out to the club and stuff. So yeah, it's pretty funny. And, and you've moved back to Brisbane, I understand, as well. Yeah, yeah, loving it. Great, yeah. yeah it, I mean, great. it's changed a lot in the 20 or so years you've been out, hasn't it? <laughs> certainly has, yeah. It's been really it's been really great being back, actually. I'm really loving it. Yeah, really great people, a lot of really interesting artists and great venues and places like, you know, Powerhouse and a lot of good music venues. And, um, yeah, it's got great galleries and stuff. They used mm. to have all that stuff. Mm. So, yeah, I'm quite liking it. Yeah, it's it's really it's interesting, isn't it? Because I, I I long have felt uh, probably being a little bit biased, but you, you you guys are a part of this powder finger. There are so many wonderful bands, Scream Feeder, that have come from Brisbane, particularly at a time when there wasn't a lot of outlets for music to be played in Brisbane, and it was obviously very hard to play music live and and keep an audience attractive and and attracted to your music and going. But these days, there's just so many venues that are available, and I'm not for a moment. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not suggesting that the music's any less than what it was when you guys were at your starting out or what have you, but it's just a lot easier nowadays, isn't it? There are a lot more outlets. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot more. Like, I remember we lived next door to the girls who started the zoo, and at that time, they started the zoo because they went, because they actually were in a band, those girls, hmm. and they went, oh, we need to open a venue so we can have a place where all about, you know, where, where we can all play. And that's kind of primarily why that venue opened. And, right. um, yeah, that kind of kicked off a big belly kind of scene, which was um, pretty great at the time. And when that started, it was like, oh, wow, finally we've got a, a place to play. You know, it was really great. Yeah, and uh, the, the move down to Melbourne, mate, was that, uh, was that a design, by design, if you like, so that you could be closer to where a lot of more of the action was in the Australian music industry? Well, I kind of moved to Sydney first for a girl and then um, ended up having kids and stuff and then we moved to Melbourne after that. So, um, yep. yeah, initially it was, yeah, just for that reason. I don't think I would have gone otherwise. Yeah, yeah gotcha. I quite, quite like the city. It's good. Yeah, I love I the like valley. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's really good. Yeah, it's, uh, I, I often term to people, I often say to people, I think Brisbane's a very gentle city compared to Sydney and Melbourne. And by oh, that, course, yeah. you know what I mean, don't you? In that, I've taken drunk people home after gigs because I, I don't, and it's not just me that does that. I'm not, not, you know, trying to say that I'm better than anybody else by doing that. But you feel more comfortable doing that, knowing, to be honest, mate, that the person you're taking home isn't going to sort of wake up in some drunken stupor and try to stab you or something. Uh, and yeah. you just, you just feel a, a greater sense of kinship in this city compared to, say, Sydney or Melbourne, in my view. I think so. I think, I think, well, Melbourne, I think, has got a very big, uh, you know, art scene. It's very supportive, but there's just so many, yes. so many artists. And I guess because there's so many, it does feel a little bit competitive due to that. But, um, yeah, I don't feel like there's that com- competition here, which is really nice. It's kind of, everyone does feel fairly supportive. Indeed, yeah. yeah. So the, the yeah. new album, mate, I've had, uh, Paul sent me over a few, a copy of it. So I've had a couple of listens oh, okay. to it. Uh, awesome stuff. I'm not just saying that. I don't know how you guys, yourself and Quine, keep the creative juices as vital as what they actually are. So that'll be my first question about the new album, mate, is it's a cracker. So oh, how, thanks. 
How have you guys managed yeah, to keep was, yeah, going as strongly as you are? Uh, well, it was kind of really thrown together. We've been a bit busy, actually. <laughs> we probably could, <laughs> should have spent more time on it. But um, we just got together last year because um, we hadn't done one in so long because Quan's had a... He's got a new family with some new kids and stuff, uh, little kids. Yep. And so... Um, we hadn't had much time to really record and get together and he was living in Hong Kong and then he finally moved back and then our manager booked this tour and then uh, I just went, oh, we should probably do a record uh, for the tour but um, I just last year we got together and said, do we have any songs and we kind of played each other demos and all of, through all of the demos we found out that there was this kind of common theme about kind of being a bit anxious and kind of crazy and coping with you know, the pressures of modern the modern world. Yep. Uh, but with a family as well, and being kind of middle aged and stuff. And so I guess all of those <laughs> Can relate to that, yep. issues come up in the lyrics, and yep. that's why we called it head rocks, like it's a head head fuck kind of thing, like living in the modern world. And that's why the the title of the record was named that. And early on in the piece, I asked this um, artist that I really like, who I follow on Instagram, his name's um. Ben Adams, but his Instagram name's Freak Street, and I um, said, oh, you reckon you could do an album cover, and then he kind of designed this real crazy mutant kind of Japanese 15, uh, 50s horror kind of fluoro album cover. It was really great, but also really crazy, we loved it, so it kind of, then the album cover ended up influencing the songs and the mixes and stuff, so we tried to make the songs as strange as we could to suit the cover yes. <laughs> which is that's never happened before but that was um so was the art inspired the music yeah cool and the yeah, art kind of did a little bit there yeah the artwork i've actually got a copy of it paul sent it across and it reminds me a lot of those t-shirts we used to buy as kids you know the brand bad billies Reminds me of a graphic oh, okay. associated with that. In a good way, I'm saying that. It's uh, a bit of nostalgia okay. attached to it for me. But, yeah, it's very detailed, and it's uh, the sort yeah, of thing right. that'll look wicked yeah. on a T-shirt. Yeah, it's really detailed and it's pretty crazy looking, huh? It's cool. So you've got some shows yeah, coming like up. It. you got a lot of shows coming yeah, up yeah. nationally as well. We're doing a tour. Yeah. What's that like these days? With You know, you mentioned the, the commitments with family. Oh. and How do you, how do you guys... Oh, it gets really tricky, actually. It gets kind of hard <laughs> Because I guess with family and kids and stuff, we kind of go to bed a bit earlier. So the whole thing of staying up late to do a gig is, uh, I don't know, it's kind of it's kind of a bit a bit challenging. But I guess once we get going on the tour and get rolling, it should be fine. But just the first couple of nights, it should be should be a bit tricky. Yeah, yeah. Are you bringing the? You've obviously still got Pete as your drummer. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, he's great. Yeah, he's good. He actually, did you hear that song that he sang on the record? Did you hear that one? I probably, I've been, uh, I've listened to it only twice, so I'm yet to, tell me which song it is actually and I'll make a note of it. It's a weird kind of hard, it's a, you wouldn't miss it, it's a really strange one. Okay, not song number six, got it. Yeah, 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 yeah. that's, <laughs> he sang on that, so I kind of feel like that's the best song on the record, it's so out there. I didn't know he um, sang, there you go. Well, I don't. <laughs> listen to it, it's not, it's not really singing, but it's um, right, there you go. Yeah. something, it's good. Yeah. Bit of a, a tangent question for you. I remember when you guys did the Band in a Bubble, I think it was called, back in the day for Channel yeah. V or MTV, one of the two. Yeah, yeah Channel V, yeah. And you had Jabber in there with you, if I recall correctly, so I'm drawing on we a 15-year-old memory or so, but are you guys yeah. are you guys still mates to this day, or was that one of those experiences where you're in such oh, close quarters? Look, yeah, we see him 
Olick, he was always kind of a friend of mine. Yeah. And um, yeah, my partner at the time was working with him, and I was kind of, yeah, pretty close to him, pretty friends with him. Yep. Yeah, I think he struggled. I don't think he really wanted to be in there. I don't think he had a great time being in the bubble. But, uh, but yeah, that was that was the truth. Would that experience? <laughs> I think you were one of the first bands to do that. Really, I was googling not that long ago just to see if anybody else had done a similar concept in Times Square or something, but I couldn't find any. And I'm sure somebody's done something similar. But you were pioneers in that way as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was definitely a strange thing to do. And I guess we were just that kind of idea stemmed back from when we did. Um, after we did two playing we went and recorded it in Bangkok and that was such a surreal experience we all sat around and had a kind of powwow about what we would do to do it well you know what ideas could we have mm. uh if we did another record and that idea came up and it sort of was shelved for a while and then I guess after a while we kind of um the idea came back and then we sort of presented it to these um the tv people and they loved the idea and they kind of took it which was very strange but, uh, yeah, I think it, it worked kind of well for, for us and them. It was um, definitely, we just wanted a bizarre experience and we definitely got it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, it was yeah. fascinating watching, actually. And there, there is a lot of visual copy out there of you guys. So have you thought about doing a, a bit of a visual history of the band and including something like that in the DVD box set or something that could be streamed? We're talking about doing something that like that for our um, 25th anniversary next year. Okay. Because that's our 25th, so we're talking about hopefully doing something special for that. Yeah, we haven't sort of got around to organising it properly, but, yeah, we may do something. Sweet, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. Look, your videos have always been very engaging, particularly around the two-playing era and uh, a lot of the uh, the graphics, the computer-generated graphics that we were using around Unit. Yeah, yeah, that was kind of fun at the time. Yeah, well, it's it's look, it's all still there on YouTube for people to have a look at, and uh, yeah, yeah, you've, you've always put a lot of effort into every aspect of the band, which I think fans really appreciate. Yeah, well, I think we've we kind of worked out fairly early on that we kind of are kind of control freaks. We kind of like we kind of were getting people to make stuff and do artwork and stuff, and then we kind of didn't feel that it suited the band, so we ended up a lot of the time we just work take control and do everything ourselves <laughs> mostly <laughs> unless we find people that we really like like um like ben who did the album cover and stuff yeah yeah gotcha. yeah yeah here's an interesting question for you then because you mentioned it's a quarter of a century mate that's unbelievable really that you've had a career a successful career in the music biz producing the music that you have that's gained such a positive fan response and also wonderful critical response but what's the strangest thing that's happened to you in all of that time Oh, there's been a lot of strange things. <laughs> We've had uh, um, the the strangest, strangest thing. Oh, God, it's been so, <laughs> it's been so many. Um, we've had a lot of unusual gigs and found ourselves in a lot of bizarre circumstances. Mm -hmm. um, the, the ultimately strangest thing we found, like, well, I think touring in Japan was pretty pretty out there i mean we found ourselves in a hotel room with this this naked old lady kind of yelling yes. at us and we didn't know what was wrong with her it was at this punk venue and i think she might have been mentally ill and she was she busted into our hotel room and was yelling at our manager about something and we ended up running away into the night and 
not having anywhere to stay because this naked old lady chased us out of the hotel room. We Jeez. don't know why, yeah. what happened there. That was that was definitely strange. I can put that. Yeah, that's pretty full on. There. Yeah, <laughs> probably one of the strangest things. Just you know, staggering around a city in the middle of the night with your guitars, trying to find a hotel room because this naked lady kind of assaulted you. It's um, yeah. pretty weird. Yeah, full on. Yeah. Um, so that's just one one thing. Yeah. What about what gives you the the greatest sense of pride in your accomplishments through your career as well? Uh, I think we like we always toured Japan and we'd always loved the country. And when we finally got to play at um, Fuji Rock Festival uh, in two thousand and two, that that felt like something we'd been working um, kind of by ourselves along for a long time. And when it finally happened, we just I don't know. It felt like a real uh, yeah, accomplishment, great. and we had a really good gig. And I don't know. Yeah, it was something. It was like a dream of ours, and when we finally got to do that, that was a big thrill. Yeah. Hmm. What about cool. um, Martin? Is he still associated with the band in any way? Not really. No, no. He's kind of like doesn't really want to have anything to do with it anymore. So, which is mm-hmm. a shame. But I feel like he was a big part of the band. But uh, it kind of it was mainly Quan, and I guess Quan and Martin had a big bit of a falling out there, and then yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, these things happen, don't they? I used to see him uh, when I was down in Sydney walking around Ashfield Mall. Oh, okay. What was he doing down there? No idea. This is about, geez, mate, this is 15, 16, 17 years ago or so. But okay. um, I used yeah, to right. see him occasionally. I didn't know him, by the way, but of course I knew who you guys were and a bit like how I knew who you were when we bumped into each other in LA. And um, yeah. I used to see him ordering a coffee every once in a while and talking to the guy in the record store there that used to be there. Um, okay. But yeah, I know he was. He, I saw him in Sydney, and I thought, well, he must be down here looking to get another band up off the ground. I don't think it was too long after he'd left you guys. Oh right, yeah right. I always thought he lived in either Brisbane or overseas. Yeah, I think he lives overseas in uh, like Mexico and Thailand or somewhere like that. Oh, now, yeah. okay, globe trotting. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. yeah, I think he's out. I think he's got a recording studio or something. And, sweet. Yeah, yeah. I think he's he's doing good. I mean, I've seen him around. And he seems happy. Yeah. Yeah, sweet. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, Pangaea, for, for yourself, I understand, it. now correct me if this story isn't correct, but that was the main gig for you back in the early 90s. Kind of, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and Regurgitator was a bit of a side band, and you you showed your demo tape or something. I mean, I'll ask you to tell me the story, but if I recount it correctly for my reading of Rolling Stone, I remember Juice Magazine back in the day. I think I remember reading mm-hmm. it in there, and... Uh, one of the executives heard Panga, uh, heard uh, Regurgitator and said, we're not going to sign Pangaea, now we're actually going to sign Regurgitator. Is that story correct? Or? It is, yeah, yeah. So it was, there you it was go. kind of, uh, yeah, yeah, it was a bit shocking for me because having to deal with it, I guess, but um, that's kind of what happened, yeah. Because Pangaea is a yeah. bit of a Brisbane institution, isn't it? I mean, for people who We were... got back together and did a gig uh, last weekend, oh, two weekends ago for the Dead of Winter Festival. So we actually we actually played recently. We might do another gig uh, at some point, but yeah. How, how was the response? We did, we did, did, were people, like people of my vintage, were yeah. they yeah, yeah, getting into it, the young ones? Yeah, a lot of people turned up and really dug it. A lot of young kids went, what the hell is this? This is really weird. <laughs> but um, it was good. Yeah, I had a good time. Oh, wicked, I enjoyed man. it. Yeah. Good, good to get back together with those guys. They're really great players, and they've all, you know, can still really play those those guys. Well, that was... I, I watched. I used to watch you guys back in the day, and you were the first band that I saw that used to swap instruments. So, you, I mean, you're a very good musician from the perspective that I'm pretty sure, mate, I saw you go plenty of times from the bass onto the drums. 
a gig. Oh, okay, yeah. I play drums a little bit, yeah. I'm I pretty... I probably play bass the best, but... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that's that's a pretty bloody good skill to have, mate, because I, I play bass and guitars as well, and uh, I, oh, okay, yeah. drums is one thing that's escaped me. Uh, keyboard's a little bit of, but I have to really practice it. But you look like as though you were just... You were as adept as on both. Oh, uh, not really. I would say I'm <laughs> totally, totally great on the drums, but yeah, I mean, I like to, I like to play. Yeah. Are you still playing the uh, the Music Man bass with the Yin and Yang symbol on it? No, no, no. I just play. Uh, I think I play a Fender now. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Oh well, yeah. mate. That's that's about it for me in terms of questioning. Actually, I'll, I'll give you one more question. Going for twenty five years, and yeah. you, you're not. With all due respect, I say this: we're we're all approaching middle age. You get that, but you're not old by any measure. Are you guys just going to keep on going like a la the Rolling Stones, or what do you think the future holds for you? I don't know. I think we'll probably get into doing different things. We're kind of recording a kids' album. We're going to get into doing that, and yeah, we'll probably get into doing a few different projects and seeing what takes. Um, I don't know how long we'll play for, but as long as it feels good and it feels good, and we all get along really well, so. In the foreseeable future, I guess we'll keep playing, just because I don't enjoy it. Yeah, great to hear. You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast. My name's Andrew Mackay-Smith, and that was my conversation with Ben Eli from the band Regurgitator. Thank you so much for listening.